0: Announcement. So what I want to do now is give you a little, um, a little uh, preview of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Review, preview, I should say. Because this is a two-part teaching. I started last week talking about being redeemed. That's the title of the message is redeemed. And I made a statement last week that I'm going to repeat again this week because it's really, I think, This is in my heart, so I just want to share it again. And that is that our understanding, and I'm not talking head understanding, but our heart understanding of the redemption of Jesus, the way that we understand, the way that we know what Jesus did for us, the depth of of our knowing, will determine the, the abundance of life that we live. Knowing what Jesus did, knowing how we are redeemed, will greatly impact how we live abundance of life, how we receive in every area. And in this, this environment, we're talking about healing. So knowing the full redemption of Jesus, I believe, is very closely connected with receiving what Jesus has paid for, including healing. So what I want to do first before we get going is I want to re- um, review this definition of redemption of being redeemed. And as I was looking at it again this week, I, I, I see that it's two big components. The, the fullness of being redeemed has two big components. And the first is the word ransom. When you look at the definition of redeemed, the first part of it is we are ransomed by Jesus's blood. And when a ransom is paid, when a ransom is paid, that means that a price has been paid to recover somebody out of the dominion or out of the authority or out of the power of someone else. And because of that ransom that's paid, you're now free. Jesus did that for us with his blood. He paid for our freedom. He ransomed us. And because of the price that was paid, he purchased us, he bought us out of the dominion of the enemy. And we were transferred out of the dominion of the enemy and into the kingdom of the son of his love. We were ransomed with his blood. So that's the first part of the definition. And the second part of the definition is liberated or freed or delivered. We're delivered from bondage. Sometimes we unknowingly hold ourselves in bondage. Talked about that last week. We talked about the truth that we have been redeemed from the power of sin and the bondage that sinfulness and the old sin nature could hold us in but sometimes even though we've been redeemed and we don't know it we still hold ourselves in bondage when we're free the bible says those who know jesus those who are in christ jesus are unquestionably free unquestionably we are free indeed but if we don't know we're free then we can still hold ourselves in bondage and give the enemy a power that he doesn't have unless we give it to him. Another area where we often hold ourselves in bondage, and I talked about this last week, is that we hold ourselves in bondage to condemnation and unworthiness. We aren't unworthy. We aren't condemned. As daughters and sons, we have been set free from condemnation. We're no longer under condemnation. We're under a new judicial ruling called justification, called righteousness. That's who we are. That's our state of being. But if we don't know the fullness of our redemption, we can be held into bondage. The word um, redeemed, the word redeemed means we've been delivered from bondage. We've also been delivered from guilt and punishment. Because Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took the judgment that we Jesus took our guilt. He took our sin. And we've been redeemed. No guilt, no punishment if we're sons and daughters. We've also been redeemed from the possession of another. That's good news. We've been redeemed from liability. Liability means instead of us being legally responsible for ourselves, legally responsible for the payment and the judgment that we owed, we're no longer liable. We've been redeemed. We've been delivered from the liability. So that's just a a little preview. There's a scripture, Hebrews 9, 12, and there isn't a slide for this, honey, but it says, with his own blood, with Jesus' own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption Forever. Once and for all. He entered the holy place and He secured our redemption forever. So, we're going to start with a, a worship song. We did the same song last week. It's called Redeemed. I just want to just lift up our voices and sing to the Lord and praise Him because we are redeemed. And as we're singing this and as we're praising God and thanking Him for our redemption, What I love about this song is it shows us, biblically, through the the words in the song, what we're redeemed of. So we're just going to kind of get our focus on being redeemed. And then I'm going to go and do part two of the teaching. You know, whenever that song begins at the very beginning and it talks about the struggle and it talks about the unworthiness and it talks about all the yuck. Oh, I don't want to be stuck in that place. And I don't want you stuck in that place. That's why this message is so powerful. That's not who we are. We've been redeemed. We don't need to pay a price that's already been paid. Remember the Hebrew scripture? It says, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all time, and he secured our redemption forever. Amen. That's good news. So what I'm going to be sharing today are several more areas from which we have been redeemed Last week I taught primarily about the part of us that the Bible calls our spirit. We're made up of spirit and soul and body. When we accept the sacrifice of Jesus, we become completely redeemed once and for all in our spirit. We become made righteous. Our spirit is sealed and we are as he is. We are as righteous as Jesus, not because of us, but because of the blood of Jesus, that has completely removed the barrier of sin. But as Andrew Momack says, he says we're one third saved. <laughs> I don't know if I really like the way he says that, but I'm going to I'm going to explain it. The spirit part of us is completely is completely redeemed and sealed. Our soul, I'm sorry, yes, our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our physical bodies. Jesus has already also provided for redemption, but we need to come into agreement with the price that's already been paid. So what I'm going to share today are pieces of redemption that have to do with the soul and the body. The first piece that I want to talk about is on your sheet. Here's some really good news. We've been redeemed of the effects of being hurt, having others sin against us and wound us. We've been redeemed from the effects of perhaps being unloved or feeling not lovable. We've been redeemed from the effects of being unapproved. Maybe you weren't approved of in your growing up years. Maybe you don't feel approved of from your spouse. Maybe people look upon you and speak negative words and you don't feel good enough for some reason because of the life circumstances and the stuff that's happened in your life. We've been redeemed from the effects of that. I'm going to give you a scripture to back this up in just a second. We've been redeemed from not feeling accepted. Maybe you've been A person who doesn't feel like you're part of a group. Maybe you feel like you've been rejected through whatever circumstances. Maybe through a divorce situation or some other situation in life you feel rejected. I'm telling you from the word of God that you've been redeemed from the effects of it. I'm going to give you biblical evidence in just one minute. Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you've been abandoned in the world. But Jesus, when he shed his blood, he didn't just shed it to redeem us from sin and to give us eternal life after we die. He also shed his blood so that we could live a full and an abundance of life. And if you're living unloved, wounded, unapproved, unaccepted, rejected, or abandoned, that's not an abundant life. Second Corinthians 517 says therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation old things have passed away and behold all things have become new old things when we just sang the song I'm redeemed we were singing that old things have passed away now you may still be in the midst of living the situation, that does not mean that you're not redeemed from the effects of the woundedness. Here's another scripture. Philippians 3.13. Paul is speaking and he says, I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I believe, this is, this is a... a um, In my own heart, this is a teaching that is growing more and more real in my heart. That we've also been redeemed from the effects of woundedness, not just of sickness. Let me put it this way. I was healed 15 years ago of cancer. That's a physical disease. I was healed, completely restored. This is 15 years later. I don't have residual cancer living in me. It's gone. It's 100% gone. The same thing is true for something that may have happened that wounded me in my soul 15 years ago. Just because I was wounded 15 years ago or 20 years ago or when I was a little girl doesn't mean that the effects of that wound are in me anymore because I've been redeemed. Jesus paid the price. Isaiah 61, verse 1, 2, and 3 are prophetic words about Jesus coming to heal the brokenhearted and to set captives free, to set prisoners free. He didn't just come for physical healing. He also came for healing of the soul. We've been redeemed. And just like I teach week after week after week, that healing is past tense. Healing of the body is past tense. Jesus took those stripes on his back once. He purchased our healing once. And our part is to believe and receive what he already did. Our part is to simply believe in the finished work. Same thing is true with redemption of woundedness, abandonment, rejection, and all that stuff. We've been redeemed. We may not see the manifestation in our life yet, but one of the reasons we may not see it is because we don't know the fullness of the truth of redemption. Let me say this again. I've already said it at least once today. Our heart knowledge of redemption has a huge impact on what we receive from God because in order to have faith in the finished work of God, we need to know the finished work of God. We need to know what it is that we've been redeemed of. Okay. When we receive our salvation, we become sons and daughters of God. Isn't that good news? And sonship has its benefits. Daughtership has its benefits. In Romans 8, verses 15 through 17, and this is the passion translation, listen to this: "And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough." Hmm. That sounds like woundedness. I've talked to a lot of people who don't feel that they're good enough. Who have a mindset, an ungodly stronghold that somehow says, uh, I'm just not good enough because of X, Y, Z. I'm just not good enough. But this scripture says, and this is the truth of the word. It says, you didn't receive that. You didn't receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But this is what you have received. The spirit of full acceptance. Enfolding you into the family of God. You've received acceptance. Not, oh, you're not good enough. You have received the spirit of full acceptance. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, Abba. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved son, or you are God's beloved daughter. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. So we have the spirit of acceptance. We have his tender affection. We have a daddy that says, you are my beloved child. He loves us. That's a whole lot different than the lie of believing you're not loved or you're not accepted or you're rejected. The next scripture I want to give you to just meditate on is Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. He had, it, he had it all planned. He had it all planned that he wanted to adopt us. In fact, the next line, the next after the comma, it says, according to the good pleasure of his will. He was so excited. He was so happy. He was so longing to adopt us. And the way that it happened was through Jesus removing the sin barrier. We were reconciled to God. And our part is just to believe and accept the sacrifice. And we become the sons and daughters of God. We were chosen. We were predestined to be his adopted children. To the praise of the glory of his grace. By which he made us the accepted of the beloved. He made us the accepted in the beloved. He, he, he made us to be accepted in the beloved, in Jesus. That word accepted is only used twice in the New Testament. The other time that it's used is in Luke 1.28 when the angel, angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The word "favored one" is the same Greek word as the word "accepted" in the beloved. Now, please don't in any way take what I'm going to say next as um, something that's um, not not I'm not reverencing the Mother of God because I am. But I grew up in, a, in the Catholic Church looking up to Mary as such a very favored woman, chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. And yes, she is so very favored. But guys, the same word is used for me and you. The same word, the same word. The one that means the word favored one that gabriel said to mary is the same word when god calls us the accepted his accepted in the beloved it's the same word we're accepted we're loved we are his beloved he chose us that's a big deal So I'm not teaching tonight on woundedness, but I just want to just wrap that all up right now and give it to you as a a present to take home and to just chew on, meditate on. That woundedness, we don't have to carry it. We don't have to go back there and try to fix it because as the redeemed daughters and sons of God, Jesus already completed the work. And our part is to Believe in that finished work Just like I believe in the finished work of healing of my physical body I also believe in the finished work of healing of all wounds Of any kind of any degree of any magnitude God heals cancers stage four He heals Lyme's disease that's chronic and fills us with All sorts of physical manifestations He heals of colds Little Huge he does the same thing in the realm of the woundedness of the soul. He heals us of childhoods filled with abuse and and whatever not being loved. He heals us of of marriages that have fallen apart and destructed and, and you've been you feel like you've been destroyed. He heals us of all of it. No matter how small, no matter how grave, he's paid the price for all of it. We've been redeemed. But in order to receive it, we need to know our redemption and to know that that's the old creation. I feel like I need to share this right now, so I'm going to share it. Um, My daughter-in-law, the last time I was there, told me, she confided in me, that when she was young, when she was not a Christian, in fact, she was an atheist because that's how she was raised, and she made a lot of really poor choices. And during that time she was raped. She told me, she said, Mom, that is the old me. It doesn't even have I, I, I've let it go, I've forgiven, I've let it go. It's no longer a part of me. I feel when I when I talk about that thing that happened to me when I was young, it's not even connected. That's because that's the old creation. Kay is saved. Kay is a powerful, mighty woman of God who knows the love of God. And she's been redeemed. She knows she's been redeemed. That thing that happened to her in the past is not affecting her her today. And it's not affecting her future. She's whole. She was in awe as we were talking about it. We don't have to carry the wounds from the past into our future. We need to know that we are redeemed and receive it and be healed. Amen. Okay, here's the second area we've been redeemed and I'm going to talk about today. We've been redeemed from the spirit of fear. Isn't that good news? We've been redeemed from the spirit of fear. Now, in the New Testament, there are two different Greek words that are Translated as fear. And there are different kinds of fear. So I want to talk about both of them briefly. The first one is the Greek word Delia. And this fear is timidity or cowardice or fearfulness. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity or cowardice. That's that word, Delia. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us power, the power of the Holy Spirit within us to build us up and keep us strong and upon us to give us the power to, to witness, to give us the power to, to allow him to work through us. He did give us power. He did give us love. We're going to go there in a minute. We're going to talk in more in depth about his love in a minute. And he did give us a sound mind. So if you're in that place where you bought the lie that you're timid or cowardly or fearful maybe in a certain circumstance or a certain situation that's a lie that's a deception of the enemy we've been redeemed from that he didn't give us a spirit of fear he gave us power and love and a sound mind listen to this this is John 14:27 this is um spoken by Jesus the day before he died this these words that I'm going to read were spoken by our Redeemer the day before he was crucified for us, the day before he bought our redemption. He said, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give and bequeath to you. The word bequeath means given as an inheritance. So before Jesus died, he's giving us his will. He's telling us what he's leaving us. And he says, I give you, I bequeath to you my perfect peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. That word afraid is Delia. Don't let you, don't be fearful. Don't be timid. Don't be cowardly. Instead, let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength. For every challenge. So instead of being um, fearful or timid or cowardice. God says let my perfect peace give you courage. And give you strength. In order to receive it we need to know it. We can apply this word and renew our mind to this truth. Instead of the way that you're living. I'm a good I'm a good example of this because many of you know that that's what I was called. My my growing up years, I was called shy. I was called timid. Now, I have a choice whether I stay in that place of timidity and shyness or whether I say, oh, no, God, you gave me courage. You are my strength. Whenever I get up here and teach, it isn't me. It's him through me. It's his perfect peace through me. It's his ability, his Holy Spirit, through me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, through me. It's his love, through me. It's his mind. I have the mind of Christ, through me. And that's true for all of you. So if there is an area in your life, or maybe many areas, where you feel that cowardice or fearfulness, stand up and speak that over yourself for a while. John fourteen twenty seven, And watch your mind become renewed and your your soul and your actions start to follow what's already done in the spiritual realm because you've been redeemed of the spirit of fear. The other kind of fear that's in the New Testament, the other Greek word is called phobio. And the word phobio means to be put to flight by terrifying or to be struck by fear or to be seized with alarm. It's like that that phobia kind of fear, that intense fear. It may be manifested in people with panic attacks or anxiety attacks or extreme terror. Think about your, um, your, your experiences. Maybe there's something in your life that, that puts that phobia kind of terror in you. Or maybe you've experienced terror or panic attacks. Listen to 1 John four eighteen. It says, there's no fear, and that's the word phobia. There's no fear, no panic, no anxiety, no terror in love. But perfect love, and that's the perfect love of God, God's perfect love, and his perfect love, in us that casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love so in those places where we fear we don't know the love of God and we need to grow in confidence in God's love for us in those very places as I was preparing this I was thinking back to I don't even know maybe 10 years ago 12 years ago um, as you know, if you're my Facebook friends, Kent and I ride motorcycle together. And many times when I say that, people go, oh, be careful. You know, I, I get that response a lot. Well, when Kent first wanted to get the, the first motorcycle, um, I said no. Absolutely said no. I love you. I don't want you to get killed on a motorcycle. And I said no. No questions asked. Just no. My friend Jenny, you guys hear about Jenny a lot. She's the one that led me to Jesus. She's talking to me one day and she said, Cindy, do you trust God? I said, of course I trust God. With all my heart, I trust God. And she said, well, you can trust God to protect Kent the same way you trust God for everything else. If he really desires to have a motorcycle, you know, you might just want to think about that. And just like I'm preaching here to grow in the confidence of God's love in that very area. So I went home and thought about it (laughs) and prayed about it. And I I said, yes. I said, okay, honey, you can get that motorcycle. And we immediately started to give it to God and pray about it. And Kent, at that time, it was a little tiny motorcycle, which I didn't ride. And he would pray every time he got on the bike. Well, it was um, three years ago... um, he, he upgraded to a bigger bike with a seat that was, in the, and the bike was big enough for me to ride comfortably. So now, mama, I call myself motorcycle mama, is on that bike with him. And same thing. When we get on that bike, the first thing we do is pray. And before we leave our driveway, we're praying, and we're thanking God for, for protecting us, and we're thanking God for... Loving us and taking care of us, and we're praising him. And I put on my praise music in my earphones in my head. In my um, helmet, I have uh, earphones and stuff, so I'm praising God all the time. We're riding and just uh, loving it every minute. And then we just recently upgraded to a bigger bike. <laughs> now I got a really comfy seat. And but what I've done is I have completely put my confidence and my trust in God in this area. And I don't have a phobia. I don't have fear. I ride now, I told him this last week, I probably had the most just amazing ride last week that I've ever had because I was completely at ease, just thoroughly enjoying every minute without any fear because I trust God. So in that area, I didn't used to trust him, and I had a lot of fear. So in any area where you have a fear or a phobia or a terror... Panic attacks, anxiety attacks in that very area. Let God in. Let him be your, your, your safety, your protection. Let him help you through that. Let his perfect peace calm you. In Luke eight fifty, in this particular scripture, um, it, it's the account of the father whose little girl, he, he, the man goes to Jesus because his little girl is at the point of death. And before Jesus gets to their house, a servant comes and says that she's already died. Don't bother the master. She's already died. And when Jesus heard that, this is what he answered. He said, do not be afraid. That's the word phobia. Do not be seized with alarm. Do not panic. Only believe. And trust in me and have faith in my ability to do this. And she will be made well. That might be a good scripture to renew your mind with. If there is a terror in your life, a phobia in your life. God says, no, don't be terrorized about that. Don't be afraid about that motorcycle, Cindy. Only believe and trust in me and have faith in my ability to protect you while you're on that bike or while your husband's on that bike. And I will. Maybe it's a a sickness issue. Maybe it's a, a doctor's report issue. And God says to you, don't be afraid of that diagnosis. Don't be afraid of what you're experiencing. Only believe and trust in me and have faith in my ability to do this. And you will be made well. Those are Jesus's words. So in this life that we live, we have a choice. And with every event that we live through, we have a choice of processing it through one way or the other. We can either process it through positive faith based emotions of power and love and soundness of mind and peace, or we can process it through negative fear based emotions, the spirit of fear. We've been redeemed. I choose power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. So there's this new teacher I've been listening to, and he was talking about this change of mindset, and it really has impacted me. And this is what he says. In, and in my life, when fear has attacked me, one of the first things I do is fight fear. In my past, when I have felt fear rise up, one of the first things that I've done is implement strategies to overcome the fear. But this teacher says, try this. Instead of fighting fear, allow fear to provoke you to faith. Instead of fighting fear, instead of putting your focus on the fear and fighting it, Say, okay, fear, guess what you just did? You propelled me to God. You provoked me. The word provoke means to call to action, to arouse or to excite. That fear is going to slingshot me into my amazing walk with God, to my good daddy, to my good, good father, to the one who's already redeemed me from that fear. And I choose faith. I choose his promises. Don't you think the enemy would be mad if what he did to attack you propelled you right into the arms of God and his safety net and his promises and his manifestation of everything that you're needing? Yeah, I like to do that. I often say, devil, you messed with the wrong girl. And you can do the same thing. James 4, 7, the scripture says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And again, I always thought that was two steps. First, I submit to God. That means I yield to God and his word. And then after I do that, then I can actively resist the devil and he has to flee. But this teacher I've been listening to says, no. It's all one step. When you submit to God, when you yield, when you run to God, when you let fear provoke you to faith, the enemy is automatically resisted. You don't need to do anything because you're, you can't have faith and fear at the same time. So when you are in that position of the promises of God, praising him, thanking him for what's already done in the spiritual realm, the enemy just has to turn his tail and run because he has no place there. So it's all one When we submit to God, we do resist the devil and he flees. Different mindset. I'm going to say it again. Our knowing of the fullness of our redemption has a great impact on what we receive in the abundance of life that we live. The next area I want to talk about is trauma. We've been redeemed from the effects of trauma. What I want to do is I want to give you a little picture of the worldview of trauma. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a lie. I'm going to say right now, it is a deception of the enemy. Now, when you you think of the word deception, the thing about a deception is that it's very subtle. That's very, that's why it's called a deception. And it doesn't look like a deception. It looks very, very real. It feels very, very real. But it isn't. So here's the worldview of trauma, the definition. Trauma is the Greek word for wound. Although the Greeks use the term only for physical injuries, nowadays trauma is just as likely to refer to emotional wounds. I want you to notice as I read this that this thing called trauma has snowballed. The devil's done it. So first of all, trauma just meant a wound, a physical wound. Now it also means emotional wounds. We now know that a traumatic event can leave psychological symptoms long after the physical injuries have healed. So now there's physical wounds, emotional wounds, and psychological symptoms long after the trauma. The psychological reaction to emotional trauma now has an established name, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now there's a diagnosis that goes with it. Or PTSD. It usually occurs after an extremely stressful event such as a wartime combat, a natural disaster, or sexual or physical abuse. Its symptoms include depression, anxiety, flashbacks, and recurring nightmares. So now it's not just the trauma or the traumatic event, it's a life of residual effects. Now, please, please know that I'm not taking anything lightly. I don't take Grave disease, lightly. But I know that my God's so big and that he finished the work. And what I'm saying is he did the same thing with trauma and with any residual effects of trauma. Now, there are two... uh, I don't want to go too much into trauma, but there are two levels. There's intentional trauma, maybe an assault or a terrorist attack or something like that. And there's unintentional trauma, like natural disasters or an accident car accident things like that but we've been redeemed that's the bottom line we've been redeemed it doesn't matter whether it was intentional or unintentional we've been redeemed from the shock waves from the after you know earthquake things whatever you call those we've been redeemed we don't have to live it listen to this listen to this scripture The truth is that Jesus exchanged your trauma or torment for his. For his comfort and peace and security. So he took trauma and gave us peace. He took torture. He took all of the the terrible torment. And he gave us peace and comfort and soundness of mind. The scripture evidence that I want to give you is Isaiah 53 verse 5. Very common scripture. I use it all the time for physical healing. But do you remember back when I, just a minute ago, when I read you the definition of trauma and it said that the Greek word for wound is trauma. In Isaiah 53 with the NIV version, it says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds were healed. Wounds, the Greek word for wounds, is trauma. By his trauma, we're healed. We know that he was tortured. We know that he went through torment for us. We know that he went through trauma. And he did it so that we don't have to. He did it so that we can live in that peace and that security that he wants us to live in paid a great big price for it so if you're living with all of that stuff thinking that it's natural well we have a choice to say no again the enemy only has the power that we give him so if we take a stand and say no to it we can use that authority and power i believe and we can break off the after effects of trauma i've got two more scriptures i want to read to you here's the first one psalm 34 19 Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's a good promise. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration and trauma. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident and certain and undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived the world of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Isn't that a good promise? He's conquered it for us. He's deprived it of its power. We don't have to allow trauma to have power over us because Jesus deprived it of its power. This reminds me of a woman I prayed for, a grandma whose grandson had experienced a trauma. Her grandson had witnessed his dad, this grandma's son, get in a really um, bad accident when he was working on a car. The car, he was under the car, and the jack collapsed, and it fell on his dad, and his dad was under the car being literally crushed. And his son, his little boy, is the one that was that saw it and called 911 and waited for the um, EMS people. Now his dad's fine. But the little boy was experiencing PTSD. He was having nightmares, a lot of them. And I talked to that grandma. She came to me to get prayer for her grandson. And I told her what I'm telling you. And we took authority over it. And we said, no, devil. No. We intercede for this little boy. And we know that that's a lie. He doesn't have to live with nightmares. And after we prayed, those nightmares stopped. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We need to know what Jesus redeemed us of so that we can receive the benefits. We do not need to allow our past to define our future. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6 say, For he, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is is my helper, I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? We don't need to buy the the thing about terror or panic or or uh, PTSD. Jesus says no. <laughs> he says, "Baby girl, son, I will not I will not I will not." leave you or forsake you i will not relax my hold on you assuredly not oh i love that scripture that's the amplified translation and it just it just shows you the the ongoing depth of god's care for us that's how god cares about us he's never going to let go not even an ounce He's not going to let you go and say, okay, I'm backing off now, daughter. I want to see how you do it on your own. I'm just turning my back. Just go. No. He's always there. Always. Always with us. The next piece I want to talk about in brief, very brief, is that we have been redeemed from all of the effects of the curse. that's a big one. But that's what the Bible says. Everything that was lost in the fall of man, all of the curses, all of the stuff, when it talks about the blessings and the curses in Leviticus, there's a whole bunch of them. We have been redeemed of all of it. Listen to this scripture, Galatians 3.13, and this is from the Message Bible. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life. Okay, before I go any further, just think about that for a minute. We're talking about yuck. We're talking about residue. We're talking about living a life. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 59. So I've lived 59 years, and i probably got lots of residue of stuff, whatever that might be. And you probably do too. But this is what Christ redeemed us from. He redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. Isn't that good? Jesus became a curse for us to remove the curse from us. That's good news. Now there's a lot of, oh my goodness, there's all kinds of pieces of the curse and that's a lot of what I've already talked about today. But I want to talk about three little, not little, three pieces, they're big. The first one is pain and sickness. That's part of the curse that we've been redeemed from. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs. The word griefs means sickness or disease. And he's carried our sorrows. The word sorrows means pains, emotional or physical pain. So right there it says, surely he has borne our sickness and disease. And he's carried our emotional and physical pain. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the ransom for our peace, for our wholeness, nothing missing and nothing broken, was upon him. And by his stripes or by his wounds were healed. We've been redeemed from sickness, from disease, from pain. In my God says, yes, we say, amen, Bible study, which I teach twice a year. Session one goes into depth on this scripture and several others that biblically show that biblically give us evidence that Jesus redeemed us from pain and from sickness and from disease. We've been redeemed from all aspects of the curse. We've been redeemed from emotional and mental pain and illness. Session nine in my Bible study talks about woundedness of the soul and how we've been redeemed from mental and emotional and relational pain or brokenness. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to prisoners. That's a prophetic word about Jesus. He came to redeem us from emotional, mental anguish or wounds. We've been redeemed. We just need to know it and believe God for it. And we've also been redeemed from generational curses. As a child of God, we've been redeemed from all the curses of the old covenant. But if we don't know the fullness of our redemption, we can be deceived out of it. We have been redeemed from every aspect of the curse through Jesus. And we're called to use our authority and power to exercise that defeat. So generational curses. Maybe there's heart disease that runs in the family lines. Maybe there's cancer that runs in the family lines. Maybe there's addictions. Maybe there's broken marriages. Maybe there's abuse. And you see the cycle continuing. We've been redeemed from generational curses. But we need to know it and then exercise our power and authority over it. In that Isaiah scripture, it's a prophetic word about Jesus. And it says that he is anointed and commissioned. So are we. We have been commissioned. We have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. We have been called into commission with Jesus. Jesus' mission was to defeat defeat the works of the enemy. That's why he was manifest. There's a scripture I'm going to share in just a second that says that. We come into mission with him. So what do we do when those things are in the family lines? We tell it to go. We say, oh no. That may have been in my mother's bloodline. That may have been in my father's bloodline. But the old me's dead. And the new me has the DNA of God. That generational curse is not mine. I've been redeemed from the curse. Jesus became a curse for me to remove the curse from me. That's not mine. So devil, take that thing and leave we can use our authority and our power to break that stuff off. Because remember, the enemy only has the power that we give him. I've heard people receive that lie and say, I'm probably going to have this because my dad had this. I've heard so many people say that because they don't know better. The knowledge, the, the heart knowledge of the redemption, the fullness of redemption, has a huge impact on the abundance of life that you live and on what you receive from the promises of God. Luke 10:19 says, "Listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you." Yeah. You don't have to have a, a, a war. You just use your mouth. You just use your words. The enemy has to listen because you have authority. He doesn't, he's not in dominion over you anymore. You're in dominion over him. And the last thing I want to touch on is exactly that. We have authority. We have been redeemed from all the power of the demonic forces. Colossians 2.15 Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. Picture the enemy, right? I'm just, I've got this picture in my mind of a naked enemy (laughs) with no weapons, no protection, just right there, out there in the open, with no way other than deception to get us under his control. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them away, the powers and principalities of darkness. He led them away as prisoners in a triumphal procession. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Jesus did that. He defeated the enemy. He's a defeated foe. He's disarmed. First John 3B, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. So everything changed at the cross. Since the death and resurrection of Jesus, and forevermore, Satan and every demon and every curse is in a state of utter defeat. That defeat is to be enforced. On earth as it is in heaven. That's our part. Jesus told us to pray. Your kingdom come and your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Yes, demons still work for control here on this earth. In sons of disobedience and in unaware Christians. But the enemy must respond to the authority and power of Christ. And his brothers and sisters. That's us. Their ply is to bluff their way out of compliance. Our mission is to believe for heaven on earth. Our mission is to enforce the defeat of the enemy here on earth, just as it's enforced in heaven. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, and as you go, preach This is for you. This is for me. Saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. That's ours. That's for us to do. Everything changed. At the cross, Jesus ransomed us. Jesus purchased our redemption. Last week and this week, I shared a slew of stuff that you're redeemed from. We just need to believe it. We just need to know it and believe it, and renew our mind to the truth. Can't we? You go to the I think two slides. Yeah. I want to show you um, what, what um, is going on right now. I'm not going to give you too much detail because I don't want to spend too much time, but you'll see on this next slide. This is a ministry, a subset of our ministry. Our ministry's title is Jesus Christ Heals Today. But this is a subset of our ministry called Redeemed Ministry. Everything changed at the cross. And through the cross and through the the death and resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we've become new. We're new creations. So this is a a brand new logo. This is the first time I've shared it with anybody um, for this ministry. And all I'm going to say about this subset of our ministry is that it's a prayer ministry, a one-on-one prayer ministry for people that need help with renewing their mind and praying and believing God for the fullness of your redemption so it's a one-on-one prayer ministry what we do here is a corporate ministry where teaching is the, the the key because we all need the truth that's how we become renewed that's how we become made new And the the redemption ministry has three major components. It's all prayer focused. But the three major components are forgiving and letting go. Forgiving and letting go. The second piece is um, allowing truth to replace any lies that you may have been believing. And then... Meditating on the truth so that your mind is renewed to the truth instead of the lies that you may have been carrying like shackles around your feet. And then the third part of the ministry is using your authority and power and saying no. And, and this ministry is just a, a prayer ministry to help you to pray through those kinds of situations in your life. To, to move you into that place of living as the redeemed because you are redeemed. So God, just like I just spoke that, that scripture where God says, go and preach, pray, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. That's just what we're doing in this ministry. So if you're interested and you want to talk more about it, you can call me, probably the best thing to do. My number's out there, our card's out there. Or if you get a chance to catch me, you know, before or after meeting, I'd be happy to talk to you then too. But I just wanted to just put that little... I've never shared this with anybody. This is the first time I've shared it publicly. I have one-on-one, but I've not shared it publicly before. But I felt that I needed to share it. So what we're going to do now, we've talked about... We've, we've looked at redemption We've we've looked at a lot of scripture. What I wanna do now is praise the Redeemer. I want to praise Jesus together. So let's